Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. All right, big news in the Boston area on Wednesday. Danny Ainge stepping down as the Celtics president of basketball operations after 18 years on the job there. Brad Stevens, Celtics head coach, has been tapped to replace him, and a coaching search will begin in Boston immediately. A lot of layers to peel back on this. No better person to peel them back with than Ryan McDonough, the former uh, Celtics assistant general manager, He worked with Danny Ainge for 10 years, does a daily podcast now as well with Odyssey. Ryan, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me. Chris, always great to be on with you. An eventful day in New England. Uh, I wish it would have started a little later because I was on my first coffee of the morning when the news broke out here on the West Coast. But uh, uh, certainly something that uh, it wasn't a complete shock with Danny Ainge uh, stepping down today. But I think everything else that went into it, especially uh, with the Brad Stevens uh, promotion or change in roles, it was a wild day in New England. And I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it in the coaching search uh, for, for a while here going forward. So let's peel back a few of these layers one at a time. You said not a huge shock, and I agree with you. This has been in the water supply for uh, a few months now, at least for me anyway. Uh, Talk of Danny Ainge has been the talk of NBA executive text messages or phone calls that you have with people all the time. There was an expectation that he would be out on his own accord uh, at the end of the season. So I guess your reaction, having worked with him, to him stepping down and his explanation as to why he stepped down, which included uh, issues with his health. 
I think it all makes sense, Chris. I was in the Celtics front office from 2003 to 2013, a little bit over a decade. Um, Danny Ainge was actually hired a few months after I was. I, I was one of the first hires by Wick Rosbeck and Steve Paliuk after they bought the team as an entry-level guy in the video room on the scouting side. And then Danny Ainge was hired about three months later. Uh, so we developed a great relationship right away, worked together uh, for a decade. And, and I bring that up just because um, to do that job for 18 years, Chris, especially in that market, it's a grind. It, it really is. Um, you know, obviously, the team had a lot of success. They were one of the most successful franchises in the league over that time period. Um, you know, last six years I was there, we went to uh, the playoffs every year, three conference finals, uh, two NBA finals in 2008, 2010, and then the championship in 08. Uh, they, they've since gone to three more Eastern Conference finals. And I bring that up because uh, the job is always hard, but there's more pressure and the season's obviously longer the more you win. So recently in my conversations with Danny Ainge over the past year or so in particular, I did sense some fatigue. Uh, obviously the past 15 months for everybody in the NBA has been very difficult uh, with the season pausing and then the Orlando restart uh, and, and the added testing this year with the pandemic. It's been a challenge and a grind for everyone. And I think after doing the job at a high level for 18 years, it was just time for Danny Ainge to take a break, take a step back. And I, I do think the two heart attacks he had uh, while on the job, while doing this job for the Celtics, certainly played a part in this decision, especially in terms of his family's influence and them saying, look, you, you know, you need to slow down. You need to take a break and not run yourself into the ground. Yeah, he had that first heart attack in 2009, the second in 2019. So, I mean, that would you know probably impact anybody that went through that, especially a guy like Danny Ainge uh, getting a little bit older as time goes on. Um, you know, as you know, like 18 years is a lifetime for an NBA executive. I mean, these jobs do have a shelf life. You only see a handful, whether it's coaches or GMs, that last, you know, more than 10 plus years. They just, there's turnover in this business. And for Danny to do it 18 years is a really remarkable accomplishment. I, I want to get into his legacy later because I think that's an important conversation. But uh, while I was not shocked that Danny Ainge stepped down, I was blown away, man, that Brad Stevens is the new president of basketball operations for the Celtics. Eight years removed from being hired out of Butler, Brad Stevens is now running the show in Boston. How, how did you react to, you know, it wasn't even like a search. I mean, Brad Stevens was immediately announced as the new president the day Danny's retirement was announced. Yeah, like you said, Chris, it wasn't a search. It was more of a secession plan as far as uh, here's what we're going to do going forward. And here how, is, here's how organizationally we're going to keep that continuity and that stability, um, which I think they'll be able to do relatively easily, especially on the front office side, uh, because Mike Zarin and Austin Ainge, uh, Danny's top two lieutenants, especially after I left for the Suns, um, those guys have been with the franchise for a decade plus now. Um, and, and they'll help Brad, I think, a lot in the transition into the front office. Um, so it was an initial shock, but then the more I thought about it, uh, and thought about Wick Rousebeck and Steve Paliuka, who, again, hired me way back in 2003, who I know very well. Um, it, it wasn't a shock because those guys value stability. They value continuity. Uh, they obviously value Brad's basketball acumen. And if you look at their history, Chris, um, they have supported people, uh, their top executives and head coach in particular, during difficult times. I go back to 2006-07, that season when I was in the Celtics front office, and I think we lost 18 games in a row, uh, longest losing streak in the illustrious history of the franchise. Uh, Danny was allegedly on the hot seat. Uh, Doc Rivers getting booed every night during starting lineups. Uh, the owners stood behind Danny and Doc and the rest of us, and you know, obviously we had a great run after that, after the trades for Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett that offseason in 07. 
Uh, so I, I bring it up because, um, you know, I, when, when there's smoke, there's fire. With a lot of these franchises, you hear this GM is going to be fired, this coach is going to be fired, and then uh, most of the time it does happen. The Celtics' ownership operates a little bit differently than that, and I think this is them uh, going to Brad Stevens saying, look, we trust your basketball acumen. We trust your judgment. More than anything, we trust your leadership, and we want you to be part of this organization. And now, um, you know, Brad has the ability to really put his imprint on this franchise in a different way, which obviously starts with hiring a new head coach. What do you, I mean, you've done the job as a top executive. You know, is there, I know you haven't been an NBA head coach, but is there a different temperament that's needed, different skill set that's needed? You mentioned the basketball acumen, and I agree. Brad Stevens is one of the smartest basketball minds I've come across in, in all my years of, of covering the NBA, but it's a different job. Like, you know, knowing how to draw up a brilliant play in a timeout is a lot different than kind of differentiating between, you know, two Turkish forwards or whatever that are are available in the second round of the draft. I mean, what what is he in for? What kind of adjustment is he in for taking over that role? Yeah, I didn't expect uh, Semi Erdan and Omar Ashik to come up on this, uh, you know, talking about two <laughs> Turkish bigs, Chris, but um, that's a different story for a different day. Well done. Uh, um, no, I, I, there, there are different jobs, and they should be different jobs. And I, I really like and agree with what Wick Rausbeck said in the press conference today um, is that in Boston with the Celtics, ownership views those two jobs separately. You have the president of basketball operations or the head coach over here, uh, and, and, and the, um, excuse me, the president of basketball operations and the GM over here, and the head coach over here. They're different things. We've seen franchises try to do it differently. That was the trend for a while, uh, whether it was Doc Rivers in uh, LA with the Clippers when he left the Celtics um, or in Minnesota. Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau, uh, Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. Um, you know, the, the, the results were mixed, I think, at best, Chris. Um, and, and what everybody realized, I think, including the guys who actually did those jobs, Rivers, Thibodeau, Van Gundy, it's too much for one person to do, especially in the NBA today. Uh, so, so good for the Celtics ownership and for Stevens for separating those. As a head coach, you're concentrated on what do I do today to get my team ready to play tonight or tomorrow? Um, you, know, you know, it's that short-term mentality which you need to have as a coach. As an executive, you need to balance the short and long-term. Obviously, you're concerned about your team on the court, but you're also looking ahead to the draft and then free agency and then planning years ahead. Uh, so they're two different jobs with two different mindsets. And that's why I think the league quickly shifted toward the uh, two hats model, so to speak, when you're a GM and a head coach and then shifted away from it, said that's too much for one guy to do. As Celtics owner Steve Paliuka said in the press conference today, these jobs individually take up about 100 hours a week for each guy. So uh, there aren't 200 hours in the week, Chris, uh, which makes it virtually impossible to do both jobs at a high level. Yeah, I don't think anyone should ever hold both jobs again. Maybe the only exception might be Eric Spolstra in Miami if if Pat if and when Pat Riley quits I could see Spolstra having the bandwidth to do both jobs I mean he's involved in the day-to-day as you know as it is anyway they got like a three-man band there in Miami that that is involved in the decision-making tree so I could see Spolstra assuming a larger role and keeping Andy Ellsberg and some of the guys but this is not an Eric Spolstra podcast we'll, we'll save that conversation uh for a different day um I I don't blame Brad Stevens for wanting this. Um, Brad Stevens can always go back to being an NBA coach. He can always go back to being a college coach. The shine is not off him, despite the fact the Celtics have had kind of a rocky last three years for various different reasons. If he was a coaching free agent today, and I think you would agree, half a dozen teams would be lined up to try to hire him. There's a lot of respect for Brad Stevens league-wide. But it's been a, a bit of a grind, Ryan, over the last few years for Brad Stevens. Yeah, the 2018-19 season, which was Kyrie's last year, which was a complete disaster in 
you know, every possible way. That was a title contender coming into the season that completely unraveled and got smoked in the second round. Then comes last season, a better season chemistry-wise, but you have to go into the bubble and you go through that stress. And then comes this season, which had myriad challenges that Brad Stevens had to deal with, and it ends with a first-round whooping at the hands of Brooklyn. So I can see in Brad Stevens' mind, like, all right, well, this opportunity is going to present itself. Why not push for it? Why not try to jump on this job? If it doesn't work out, well, I'll either get take my coaching job back in Boston as, I mean, we kind of saw Doc do that in a way, like went from just the, went from both jobs into one with the the Clippers, not to say Brad would necessarily do that, but it's possible. Um, or I go somewhere else and, you know, coach, you know, in a different location. I mean, lots of coaches, most coaches wind up in multiple spots in their career. So I don't, I don't fault Brad Stevens for pushing for this. This is where I kind of take out the stick because I don't love that ownership did not open this up after the season and start looking for somebody different or at least cast a net. And you know what? Forget a net, Ryan. I'm talking about one guy. I'm talking about Sam Presti. I don't I don't understand why there was not an aggressive push to get Sam Presti. I mean, you know Sam He's from the Boston area, played you know played high school basketball in Concord, played college basketball at Emerson. Loves everything about Boston. Still comes back in the summertime to hang out in the Boston area. Uh, I would have approached him about this job. Not to mention he's arguably the best GM in all of basketball. I would have approached him uh, about this position. At the very least, try to back channel something and see if he was interested. And if he was, make him an offer and, and try to get him into Boston. And if you're Sam. You know, one of the reasons I think this would would have been an opportune time for him to leave is that Oklahoma City is pretty well set up for the future. I mean, they're not a contender by any stretch, but they've got two decent cornerstones in Shea Gildas Alexander and Lou Dort. They've got 17 first round picks over the next four years or so, five years or so. So they're in a good position there. Relatively clean books once Al Horford uh, comes off it. I mean, there's a succession plan basically in place. I mean, Rob Hennigan is. Uh, pretty much positioned in Oklahoma City to take the job if and when Sam were to leave. I I just, I look at this, Ryan, as perhaps a blown opportunity to not only have perhaps a top five coach on your roster in Brad Stevens, but to potentially have the best GM in the NBA who's also in his mid-40s, who could grow in that job for the next 18 years as well. Where where do you stand on, on that? Well, a number of good points, uh, Chris. I have as much respect for Sam Presti as I do for any executive in the league. Uh, he's obviously one of my peers for a long time and has done as well as anybody, especially given some of the challenges in that market uh, that, he, that he's faced. You know, okay, so he's obviously not a free agent draw. So for him to have the team at a high level uh, essentially every year, except for this year when they chose to uh, dip down with a number of uh, good young players and draft picks. So he's as good as any executive in the league. I, I don't doubt that. Uh, I know he has a very good and comfortable working relationship with Clay Bennett, uh, the owner of, of the Thunder, and, and, and Clay Bennett's given him the uh, latitude to really run the franchise unfettered like few executives in the league have, really, with any franchise. Uh, so I, so I, I know Sam values um, that, and, and I, I believe he's on a long-term contract. Every time uh, you know, I, I've, I've asked somebody about it or talked to somebody about it, said he, he's under contract for a number of years. So uh, I, I get what you're saying in theory. 
I think the challenges are uh, Presti's comfort and stability in Oklahoma. And also um, then, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, which given what I know, Chris, I think it would be less likely than likely that Presti would uh, want to leave and be able to leave Oklahoma City, especially, uh, you know, right now to come run the Celtics. Uh, then what do you do to Brad Stevens? So, well, we, you know, we, we know we talked to you about not being the coach, but you're not going to be the president. You're maybe our second choice as president of basketball operations. It's a little bit awkward. That's my point. So you, you'd have to know at Celtics ownership or be relatively certain that you could get Sam Presti and that he'd want the job and that he would take the job in Boston. Uh, and I just think that they really believe in Brad Stevens. They've, they've known him for eight years. Uh, they, they've never worked with, with Presti. Um, so that familiarity, that continuity with Brad and the ability with a good infrastructure in place with the staff, um, you know, let's, let's give him a shot. Let's see how it goes. And then, um, you know, obviously uh, developing that relationship over an eight-year period they, they have that trust. They have that bond. And, um, you know, I, I think in their mind, they have the right guy for the job, even if he's not experienced in doing the job that he's now going to do. But I love this part of the conversation because I could not disagree more with like 90% of what you just said there. Now, <laughs> with, with Presti, yeah, he's got stability. And I, I think he actually has a lifetime. Like he's got a contract there that, that basically guarantees him that job forever. Like he, I think he's going to be there. You know, he could stay there for till the end of time. But we talked about shelf life with these jobs. Sam Presti's been with Oklahoma City so long, they were the Sonics when he first started with them. Like That's how long Sam Presti has been in Oklahoma City. He has taken them near the mountaintop you know, to the NBA Finals in 2012. He has built a winner. He has done in a small market what very few executives have ever done in a small market. Uh, he's still a relatively young guy, and I believe, and this is not based on anything he's told me, but I believe that a new challenge would appeal uh, to Sam Presti. As far as like, you know, insulting Brad Stevens or, or whatever, like, I mean, is it really insulting if you say you're the second choice of the best GM in basketball? Like, I mean, you feel like we didn't get, we didn't get the best possible guy, but you know, you're right there after it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that, that to me is like, you know, I, I don't know what the analogy would be, but I think that it's, it's, that that's almost being too sensitive to a guy's feelings. Not to mention Brad is still under contract was still under contract as a coach for many years. I think he recently signed a contract extension with Boston. So I I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't think it was going anywhere. And, you know, one of the appeals of Sam Presti in Boston is that he has a great relationship with Brad Stevens. He loves Brad Stevens. I mean, he was one of the first to kick the tires on hiring Brad Stevens, you know, back before the Celtics poached him in 2013. I mean, Sam was interested before that. I mean, he had a successful thing going with Scott Brooks in Oklahoma City around that time. But if it wasn't as successful, I think there's a scenario where Brad Stevens would have been the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, in those days. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, I, I get what you're saying. I, I just think if you, if that, there's a window to get a guy who, along with Masai Ujiri and Pat Riley and, and maybe a handful of others, Dennis Lindsay's incredible, but who, who can do the job at the highest of levels, I, I think you got to go all out or at least, you know, explore it, right? Like, don't don't announce a new president of basketball operations the day that that Danny walks. I understand this wasn't done, you know, in the course of a couple of days. This has been months in the making for sure. But I don't know what it would who would have hurt to to kick the tires on Sam Press. And you and I both know you can you can back channel these things. I mean, you know, tampering, whatever. Like, there's you, there's phone calls that can be made to gauge interest in somebody through their agent or or whatever. Uh, in that circumstances, I, I would have gone all in, man. Like that, that to me would have set the Celtics up incredibly with two mid 40s coach and executive who could potentially be with his team for a decade plus to come. 
Oh, I understand what you're saying, Chris, but uh, I don't think the fine folks in Oklahoma led by Clay Bennett see it that way where, you know, with the shamrock colored glasses, like let's do whatever we can to help the Celtics. I don't care if San Presti has a 10 year deal. Well, why don't we just let them go to Boston and then destabilize our franchise? So um, these things are real. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a competitive business. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Clay Bennett would have said if Wick Grosbeck and Steve Paliuka called or if they tried to back channel. Uh, I have no idea. I'm just telling you the way I think the process went for the Celtics and why they did not do or seem did not do that with with Presti. Uh, they had a guy they liked. They want to give him a shot. They realize uh, if they slide him over from head coach to president of basketball operations, they can retain relative stability with Mike Zarin, Austin Ainge, and others in the front office helping Brad grow on the job. So uh, that's what they decided to do. And like you said, this decision was not made uh, after the loss in Game Five last night. This is a multi-month process that uh, you know, according to some of the reports I read today, started right after the trade deadline in late March, and then um, you know was was solidified or finalized. Uh, early this afternoon uh, when they had the press conference. Yeah, it might have even been earlier. I mean, I, I asked Wick at the press conference, you know, like when, you know, asking him about kind of doing a national search. And he said that, you know, his conversations with Brad started around then, but he got a feeling that Brad and Danny had discussed it a lot earlier than when he uh, had originally discussed it. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I have a hard time ever criticizing Brad Stevens. I've been one of his staunchest defenders, even through all the, the problems of the last couple of years. He is, again, a brilliant basketball mind. Says so that job, if you have a chance to at least try to go get that guy, uh, I think you had to make an effort. Uh, a couple last things. He's got to hire a coach now. Um, any thoughts on what kind of coach makes sense for the Celtics? Now, I, I'd reported that they're going to interview internal candidates in Boston. They've got some good ones there. Jay Laranaga has been interviewed for a head coaching job by multiple teams in the past. I think Scott Morrison is excellent. He coached the main, formerly known as Red Claws, uh, for several years um, up there before becoming an assistant coach under Brad. Jerome Allen has been a head coach in the college ranks, has a good reputation, among others, on that staff. And after they get through that, then I then they're going to look outside the organization. I've heard Ime Udoka with Brooklyn as a strong candidate. Udoka comes from the Spurs system, coached in Philadelphia under Brett Brown, has worked uh, for the Nets, and now working for the Nets under Steve Nash. I think he's a fine candidate for that job. But any sense about, or any any thoughts on what kind of coach makes sense to work for Brad Stevens and coach this roster? I think you hit the nail on the head, Chris, with them starting internally. Um, I, I honestly think that would probably be a tougher sell to ownership than hiring somebody externally. Um I think the uh, perception, fair or not, would be, wait a minute, now is Brad Stevens going to be the president of basketball operations, but also have his hand in influence with one of his assistants being promoted to the head chair? Uh, so I think that's something that Brad needs to be cognizant of. And then if he does want to go to bat uh, for one of those guys who have very good reputations, as you mentioned, uh, where whether it's uh, Laranega, Allen, or Morrison, or somebody else in the staff, he has to have a pretty good reason why, and I think sell that to ownership. Uh, so I think they'll look external. I think they'll look NBA, um, some of the top assistants. Uh, one, one you mentioned who will be a head coach in the NBA. It's just a matter of time. Uh, Emi Odoku is on, on the bench in Brooklyn now um, with the Nets. He, he, he's excellent. Uh, another guy I think deserves a shot and a long look is Darvin Ham in Milwaukee. He's been with Mike Budenholzer every step of the way and, and had a you know big role in the Bucks' success uh, and also before that the Atlanta Hawks' success. Um, so you look around the league, you know the short list of top assistants. 
uh, who have never been head coaches. I, I talked to a number of those guys. Uh, Nate Tibbetts in Portland's another one uh, who hasn't gotten a shot yet, who's, who's very good. And obviously they've done a great job developing their players and kind of maximizing that roster with the Blazers. Um, so I, I think they'll cast a wide net. I think they should cast a wide net, Chris. Um, one of the advantages that the Celtics have, and this is where their ownership is smart and forward thinking, is by making this change immediately, uh, they get a jump on the pack. In fact, one of the things that was um, you know reported by John Hollinger and others today is that there, there haven't been any GM or head coaching changes in the off season. Uh, that's pretty unusual, as you know, especially we're a couple weeks now from the end of the regular season uh, and, and the non-playoff teams are obviously uh, long gone you know, into the off season. So uh, they have a jump on the field and, and I think they should take advantage of that, start the interview process relatively soon, even if that's starting with the internal candidates and then going externally. And uh, Chris, I, I never saw the downside, especially when you don't have any pressure on the back end as far as the season starting or some big event like the draft or, or free agency imminent. Uh, I never saw the downside in trying to talk to a number of good candidates. Uh, maybe you'll learn some things along the way about player development, analytics, uh, scouting, video, whatever it is. And then uh, you develop some relationships that you didn't have before. And then you're only going to hire one guy. But if you talk to a number of them, you can learn some things that benefit, benefit your franchise at a high level. Before I let you go, um, you grew up in the Boston area. You worked for Danny Ainge. Nationally, Danny can be something of a lightning rod, right? Like, you know, whether it's, you know, people criticize him for not making trades and, uh, you know, overvaluing his assets uh, in, in a way and and some of the things he says uh, publicly. He can be something of a target because of that. But Ryan, you look back at the last 18 years, Danny Ainge has an incredible legacy. Like, you take over the Celtics when they are near the bottom, like not in a good position. Yes, they had Paul Pierce, but not a team that was viewed anywhere close to a championship contender. You had, as you mentioned, that historic losing streak um, in, the, was it 06, 07? And then the next year, you make the deal, you get Ray Allen, you get Kevin Garnett, and you win a championship. Top that off with him pulling off one of the great heists in NBA trade history, you know, dealing Pierce and Garnett and getting the draft picks that turned into the players the Celtics have today, specifically Tatum and Brown. I mean... Uh, you can nitpick some of the things he's does, and I've done it. Like, I mean, I've I would have pulled the trigger on a couple of different things. I mean, I would have you know, Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, the Gordon Hayward stuff. Like, you can nitpick some things, but overall, man, you can't argue with Danny's legacy. It's right up there with all the great Celtics executives of the last 50, 60 years. He has done a tremendous job uh, with this with this franchise. That's just how I I kind of see it. I see it exactly the same way. Obviously, I'm biased. He's a friend of mine, and we worked together for a decade and had a lot of success. And, uh, you know, based on that success, I got the GM job in Phoenix with the Suns. So, um, you know, I think the hardest thing to do in, in sports, Chris, or in any industry, uh, is to be consistently good and a borderline excellent year in and year out. As, as you know, the Patriots have done that, um, but it, it's rare. I mean, it's, it's really rare and really hard to do. Uh, you know, everybody can have a good year here and there where, where you spike it or you put a lot uh, toward, you know, having the team really hit one year, but, but it's hard to make maintain that level. And that's what, as I look at that time period, almost over two decades, um, six Eastern Conference finals, uh, two NBA finals, the championship in 08. Um, it, it, look at it a different way. Only two guys in the league who are Hall of Famers who've had that job longer uh, than Danny Ainge had it in Boston. Uh, that's Pat Riley in Miami and Greg Popovich in San Antonio. So um, there's a reason that those have been arguably the most uh, successful franchises, those three, the Celtics, Spurs, and Heat over the last two decades. And the biggest reason for that, the main reason for that is Danny Ainge. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Whatever he does next. And I, by the way, I do think there's something coming next. I, I don't know what he's going to do, but the Celtics use the word retired in their press release for Danny Ainge. 
I don't know about you, but I don't believe he's retired. Uh, yeah, maybe he goes back to Utah, goes back to Southern California, sp- takes some time off. But there's a next step for Danny Ainge, I believe. Do you, do you think? Do you agree? Well, I don't know, Chris. I haven't talked to him yet. In the short term, I'm expecting him to, to see him out here in Arizona, uh, probably at Greyhawk or Whisper Rock, or you know. <laughs> so, so, so when I, when I get together with him, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but this is a guy who I, I think is uh, burned out, and I think that's understandable. Shoot, I was a GM of the Suns for for five years. I was burned out after that. He did this this job almost four times as long as I did. I mean, it, it's a grind being a head coach or a GM. Um, so I bring it up because uh, I, I don't think he knows. And he said today he doesn't know what the next step is. Uh, the word you know retirement is easy to use. And I think if you ask him today, do you want to work somewhere tomorrow? He'll say no, or a week from now or a month from now. But then you get, you know, X period of uh, months or years down the road and he's recharged and something changes. So uh, I, I personally don't think this is the final chapter. I think there probably is a, a next act. He's in his 60s at this point, Chris, but it's a, it's a young 62. He's energetic, uh, borderline hyperactive. He doesn't sit still that, that well. So I think this summer you'll see him a lot on, on various golf courses. And then after that, you know, once we get into next NBA season, uh, and especially in to 2022 and beyond, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up resurfacing, running another franchise. He's just too competitive, man, to make me think he's going to play golf for the rest of his life. He's just he's just way too competitive to uh, to do that. But we'll see. Again, tremendous legacy, a lot to be proud of what he accomplished uh, in Boston. Ryan, always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for, uh, for the insight and sticking up uh, late with me here. Anytime, Chris. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.